I've already ruined it. it. No, I don't mind. I mean, the internet, the internet, like, lost its collective mind over Tim Oliphant because, like, that's what we do. So, like, I'm good. It was, like, the same day that the Fargo trailer dropped and everybody, like, you know, lost their (laughs) pants and their minds. Oh, that's true. I forgot that he was in the Fargo trailer. Right. I think it's just, I just have memory problems. I like, I need you, to go to the doctor? I think you hate Timothy Olyphant. Oh, well, okay, hang on. Now, this it. is the kind of stuff that's going to get me in trouble. Yeah, it should. <laughs> <laughs> it should, Dan. <laughs> I don't hate Timothy Olyphant. Welcome to Pajiba, the Pajiba Television Podcast. I'm Pajiba contributor Dan Hamamura, uh, and uh, Tori is out this week, but thankfully we are joined, saved really, I think, by uh, Pajiba Deputy Editor Roxana Haddadi. Yes, hello, hello. Hello, and uh, also the Pajiba person of interest, Dustin Rolls. Person of interest, I like it. Yeah, I, I don't I know like what that. it means. but Oh, um, he's committed like a lot of crimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. well, yes. well we... It's just we want to talk to him about it, you know. <laughs> uh, we're gonna. There's a lot of TV this week, although we'll have some different stuff uh, like Jeopardy because uh, we're excited about the greatest of all time tournament. Um, Dustin will talk to us about Manifest. Uh, we're gonna talk about The Outsider, which premiered on HBO uh, last night on Sunday. And uh, but first of all, of course, what is everyone drinking? Uh, Roxana, you posted a picture of something in our I slide. I did. I did post a picture. <laughs> something. Um, because Adam read the description and he was like, what even is this that you're drinking? So <laughs> he told me to make a face. Um, it is that same brand with the animals that you guys claimed were dead and they mm-hmm. were not dead. These are real live animals. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Book of Nomad Tinder and Timber Ginger cinnamon honey cider well that's way too much and it has chili de arbol in it because i'm spicy so <laughs> and it's gluten-free yes it is gluten-free so i'm very on, healthy obviously on the on the the photo that you posted on, on slack the animals look like they're coming under intense fire they are they <laughs> like are they're, they're in wartime <laughs> they're in wartime do you see the german shepherd like riding the hawk like, oh yeah through yeah it's pretty dope so does it taste like your wartime? mouth is coming under fire <laughs> um no it, it could be a little spicier but like it's not bad it could have Wait. more ginger though i could always have more ginger yeah yeah that's a lot mm-hmm it's my homage to 1917, the white man film. So Hey, 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 <laughs> come on. <laughs> I feel attacked by that. Well, I, I don't should. even know why. <laughs> I, yeah, why. Why would you feel attacked? You did not serve in a world war. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> <sighs> Dustin, what about you? What are you okay. drinking? So I'm really excited about this. <laughs> All right. Okay. Because okay. I went to the grocery store this weekend, and I was walking down the aisles, and I was, and, and, and I looked over in the wine section, and then I saw five dollar ninety nine cent sangria in a bottle, and oh, I thought, God. oh my god, that looks like a hangover in a bottle, and that's awful. I have to get it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so and I haven't tried it yet, and I'm going to try it for the first time right now on the podcast. Oh, bottled sangria. It even sounds dangerous. Right. $5.99. Well, 
does it have fruit? Like, shouldn't you be adding no. fruit? Oh, hmm. No, no. Well, it's... I, okay. It tastes like um, flat red wine. Yeah, that's what sangria <laughs> is. That's why you have to put fruit in it. What are you doing? Well, I thought it would... No, no, because this is not... It has its own fruit in it. But there's no, not it, actually... It was like natural fruit flavors. Okay, well, you basically got like Welch's and like moonshine. <laughs> that's what that yes. like. You could have just made that. <laughs> well, no, then it wouldn't have been fun. It's called Lalelo? I'm sorry, it's called what? Lalelo. Lalelo sounds like a divorcee who's like trying to get back out there. (laughs) (laughs) And it was imported from Spain. I'm like, it's $6. Why do you even bother to import it all the way from Spain? Because it's like dish rag water. Like, that That, doesn't sound good. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) It's terrible. And I guarantee you the bottle will be gone before the end of this podcast. Dustin, I can't even find it on the internet. Do you know how bad that is? (laughs) (laughs) Surely. L-O-L-O. L A I L O. L O. Okay. No, I know. I still can't find it. No. No. I think that that's just a practical joke someone's playing on you. It's quite possible. I think it's the people who keep taking cash out of your car. (laughs) (laughs) I locked the doors now. Oh, thank God. They ashed in my car. That was it. I was done. I mean, that's, yeah, that's terrible. It was over. Right. Are you sure it's not Lolayla? No, no, it lends it or no. Lolayla. Lolayla. Okay. Yeah. This I'm is looking at what it. I, what I found is $20 a bottle, which is clearly too classy. No, yeah. This is <laughs> yeah, $5.99. No. What about you, Dan? What are you drinking? Well, I uh, I feel like you stole my thunder because I was, I too am. Have You're not drinking sangria it. out of a no, bottle? No, no, but, but I haven't, you haven't, I, I was waiting until this moment to drink to try this out because I finally went to the store and got something absurd um, as yes. you uh, demanded. So It's all for the podcast, Matt. Yeah, so I went to the fancy beer place down the street um, and. Uh, I got something that is apparently a matcha IPA. Oh. It's oh. Uh, green. IPA. So it's some kind oh. of like green tea. It says malt beverage with natural and artificial flavors. I don't know. So let's see what it tastes like. It tastes like a goddamn IPA, I bet. Ugh. Yeah, you know what? It just tastes like an IPA. <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. At the end, where like normally, I don't know. I don't know how to describe beer. Um, there's something like... that vaguely tastes like green tea. Uh-huh. Ah. But Is it the Kyoto or the River Horse? It's the Kyoto. That's okay. The one I got. I'm trying to find. It's supposed to taste like water, barley, matcha powder, and flavorings. Is that true? Is that what it tastes like? <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like IPA and matcha powder, which mm. is weird. And I don't I'm sorry. It's also supposed to taste like mandarin orange, and it's supposed to be round and soft. That also describes my body type, so... <laughs> uh, I definitely don't taste the mandarin orange. But, okay. Um, okay. But, you know, it tastes like mostly like IPA, so that's fine, I guess. Mm. So we all took a risk. That's yeah. very nice. And uh, I think, uh, I think Roxana, I think you you might have won. So points to Roxana oh, for thank you. her drink. Uh, everything is tell- everything is scored now. By the way, just like uh, 
just like old timey uh, who's line, the British one, where it's just like points for everybody. Well, and it's also like Jeopardy, which we're going to discuss. So right. it's very on brand. Um, but uh, before we get to that, we have, excuse me, <coughs> sorry, we have a brand new segment. Uh, thanks to, because the, the greatest show uh-huh. on earth is back. <laughs> Dustin's manifest, manifest is back, which means it's time for Dustin's manifest corner. And, uh, Dustin, you have a little bit of a story for us. I yeah. yeah. So, 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 uh, by the time you hear this podcast, the next episode of manifest will already aired and I right. don't want to ruin anything for you. Right. So, and, and I don't want to talk about something that's terribly out of date, but let's just say I, every week I, watch the show and then I write about it and I've never written a positive thing about the show ever. <laughs> never, 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 never. But somebody emailed me this week and I was so excited about this e- email I had to share it with you. And I won't give, give this person's name but I'm going to read it in brief. It says, Hi there, Dustin. My name is Blank. I pay Blank on the series Manifest. I did an episode of season one and I'll be episodes of season two. I'm just writing to say thank you for your amazing work. Your recaps are phenomenal. Blank and I will see his character name and I will see you in a few weeks. And then it gives like the smiley face emoji guy. All my best. And now the question is when he says I will see you in a few weeks is he being nice or is that a threat? I mean this is the manifest mystery. <laughs> I I almost think that it sounds genuine. Yeah. In the way that like some people think that all coverage is good coverage, and I think you're one of the like only people really devoting themselves to this show <laughs> for whatever reason. That is absolutely not true, believe it or not. <laughs> Does it really have a lot of coverage? Who is it, out here reading coverage? Well like T V line. Oh yeah. yeah. When this well, get uh, out of this here, TV line. unnamed uh, unnamed actor, also right. Yeah, but I mean, maybe he, has he also interest. hates the show. <laughs> See, that's my. Well, that's what I think. Yeah, he thinks the show is terrible, but he's mm-hmm. just a working actor, and he's like, "Hey, man." Yeah. Dan, I mean, he's not a series regular. Do you think it's a long con, Dan? Uh, so so if it was a long con, then it would be. Uh, let's let's play that out for a second. So so. They would, they're, they're writing. They're writing in to, uh, in the hopes of getting Dustin on their side in their confidence, and then maybe it's like a, oh, we really, we really want to, like, why don't you come on set and visit us, or why don't oh. you, uh, like, like they're gonna offer some perks, some some carrots, you know, and then you're gonna go, and then they like beat you with a sack of nickels or something, or, oh, that, you know, that's or, not or they or they they make you, uh, they say congratulations, you're now working here. On <laughs> You're a writer. That, You're now that, a writer for the that show. That I would believe. <laughs> <laughs> or they would manifest you. And mm-hmm. like oh. whatever would happen. What even happens? How do they explain it? Do I care? You'll just disappear for five years and then come back. Honestly, right. I yeah. might want that. Because like that might <laughs> well, be no, okay. But what we found out at the end of last season and continued into the season premiere is that however long you were gone... That's how long you have left to live when you return. 
So these people what? disappeared for five and a half years. So now their death date is five and a half years from the date they returned. Okay, but real talk, again, I might actually want that. Because, like, then you know, <laughs> like, when you're going to go. So you can, like, structure, like, the next five or however many years of your life, like, in service of that end date. Sure. But they, they have a very specific June 2024. And I feel like the show is very ambitious about that date. As like you though, think that they think they're going to be on for five more seasons? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what they might think, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'm trying to think of what I would want to do if I knew I only had five years to live. Probably watch a lot of TV. I think that I would like, I actually think I would like stop watching TV. Really? And maybe just like go outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might do that like Grand Canyon hike where you like hike 11 miles down and then like spend the night like maybe I'll get really fit (laughs) (laughs) who knows (laughs) I like the idea that you would spend your time getting really fit I mean the going outside part makes sense to me right like um, I would spend like four years getting really fit and then like the last year like not it would be like Mac on It's Always Sunny, but like in reverse. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that. All right. The, the, I think I would want to like do like the, oh yeah, you can travel and whatever, but then you don't have, mm. how do you pay for it? Like you don't, Ooh, you don't oh, have to... I'm sorry. I would pull off a heist and then fund <laughs> my remaining five years oh, okay. of life. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really important. So we would right. do like a fast you five heist. Start mm-hmm. with the heist. Yeah. Right. Start with the heist. Well, you know you're then... not going to die because you right. have, you have like five years. So. Right. I mean, point break it up and then just like live your life. <laughs> this is great. I like this show. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. start watching. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good idea. So, so Dustin, did you reply to this uh, unnamed no, person? No, I, oh. I haven't. I haven't. Are you going to? I don't know what to say to him. But I will give him a shout-out when he shows up on the next episode. <laughs> How about just, like, a best of luck in all your endeavors? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Seems very nice. And, you know, he took the time to find your email and email you. Yeah, yeah. It's very kind. So what's going on with the show? Does it matter? No, Don't you do really. a recap? I do do a <laughs> recap, but it nothing it didn't beyond the death date. Uh, Vance, a guy who died mid-season, like an FBI guy who died mid-season last year, reappeared at Ooh. the end of this episode. So that's that's the big news on manifest. I mean, that's pretty big. Yeah. I think everybody knew it was coming. Mm. <laughs> I do like one Go ahead, Dan. No, no, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I do like, I feel like X-Files is one of the first shows to do that because like every time I thought like Alex Krychek is definitely dead and then he'd come back and I'd be like, that motherfucker is really hot. So okay. <laughs> like Alex Krychek was like the original 90s bad boy. I was always excited when he was back. Yeah, there's no bad boys in Manifest. Oh, well. What about uh, Matt Long? Isn't he a bad boy? Isn't he like the... He's the one who shot, accidentally shot the woman. Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah. yeah he turned You know, from Jack in. and Bobby. Oh, I remember Jack and Bobby. Yeah, Bobby. me too. We're the only ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just turned himself into the cops this week and decided to serve prison. But we found out that uh, 
in order to save the world, he and um, the female lead have to somehow do it together. But he's in prison, so that's going to be complicated. I did not know who this man was until I Googled him, and then I realized he's Joey from Mad Men, who was, like, the most punchable character on that show. <laughs> he sucked. He drew the very mean Joan Oh, my sketch. God. He is. I didn't yeah. realize he's the same person. Dustin, you got to up your Mad Men knowledge. Well, in, in, in Manifest, he wears a beard, so he doesn't look uh, like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> do you wear a beard? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, got to put my beard on. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us wear beards. Okay, well, you know, I wear a mustache, but I don't call it that. <laughs> Just call it my proud Middle Eastern heritage. Like, come on. <laughs> huh. How right. about that? I had no idea. Well, Why are you doing Manifest, dude? I, hey, man, what, it's though, a, These shows paycheck. pay well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Dan, like, they, they are not, you know, right. it's money in your pocket. <laughs> Why is Pamela Adlon going to be on This Is Us? She needs yeah. that money. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Yeah. And good for her. I'm excited and more excited about This Is Us now. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it anyway. I'm, you know, I may as well get some good cast members. Oh, my God. Um, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, pressed, uh, what's his name? Kid. The lead and This Is Us. Um, Milo? I don't. I don't no, know. the awesome guy, the best guy on the whole, the only reason to watch the show. Sterling K. Brown? Thank you, Sterling King Brown. Okay. What were you going to call him that started Preston? with Preston? I was thinking Sterling Preston, something like that. I don't know why okay. I was thinking that. No, no, I, he was just on Mrs. Maisel this season, and I wasn't expecting it, and he was um, phenomenal. I think Dustin was thinking of Preston Bodie Brodus. No. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Mm, okay. It was definitely Sterling, but I was like, Sterling? Sterling? Anyway, he was phenomenal in Mrs. Maisel this season. You should all watch oh, it. Dustin, Mrs. Maisel came out like two months ago. I know. I know. Dustin, I just caught up with it. and I, I am I never watching that television. Program. I know you're not. I know I'm you're not. not. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> all the white women at work are like, this show is so important. And I'm like, it's not. <laughs> and I won't. <laughs> I'm sorry. But you would have a hard crush on Lenny Bruce. Well, yeah. I mean, isn't is Lenny Bruce hot priest, or is he the one who I always think is hot priest? Yes, he's the one you always think is hot priest. Okay. Yeah, he's not a hot priest. No. Okay, but they are definitely the same man. Like, can we agree that those sure, actors yes. are the same? Yeah, they're very close. Isn't he just? Oh, like I a, can kind of see that. He's just like a curmudgeon. Like, you know, I sure. I would probably be into that. Sure. And he's he was the hook because I was a, a big fan of Lenny Bruce growing up because mm-hmm. of Pump Up the Volume. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I, you know, I, I love Mrs. Maisel, but I don't think it's an important show. Right. I mean, I think like we already live with white feminism every day, so like I'm good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but like, it's more than that. Is it? It's a very good show about Jewish life, particularly the second okay. season. Okay. Yeah, There's that I could that. actually respect. I just, uh, everything that I have sort of understood is that, and you can totally like tell me I'm wrong, is that the Jewish part of it feels like an afterthought to like the white feminism part of it. I think that might have been true the first season, but the second season they went, it was like, the second season was almost entirely set in the Catskills. It was all about Jewish life in the summer and the Catskills. And then the third season sort of like 
trying to balance it. Okay. There's even yes. a sort of like, we're just going to play in these excesses about with all these new characters that you don't know, but you know. Right. And they have, but like we have a, all this money. Look at all this money we can right. <laughs> yes. That's sort of what I figured is probably like, as it's gotten more and more attention, the budget has expanded. Right. But, yeah. but, but then they had like a, a black singer who was gay and then, and then they tried to get more progressive in a way while also still being in the 60s. I guess just my concern with that is that I don't think that anything that the Sherman Palladinos has ever done has made me think that they could tell a story of diversity. So that's sort of my concern. It's like Gilmore Girls was like never about that, aside from being like extremely stereotypical and cliched. So I'm just very wary of like their take on that time period. But who knows? I, yeah, yeah, Maybe I, in I, those five years, I'll watch it. Like, who knows? <laughs> I, I don't think it's for everyone, and probably not for you. But I yeah. do, I really do value uh, its take on, on Judaism. Well, I can respect that. I mean, it's yeah. something that we talked about. Like, even with uncut gems, it's like a lot of times you don't get depictions of, like, interior right. Jewish life. Yeah. In the same way that you don't about Muslim life, which is why, right. like, a lot of Mr. Robot felt sort of revelatory. But, yeah. But I did not mean to uh, hijack this. Um, we weren't even going to talk about Mrs. Maisel, and it just came up. No. It's the sangria that's, talking. That's it's the, the way that, That's the way it's supposed to go, Dustin. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want us to stick to the schedule. If we stick to the schedule, then we're just going to end up talking about medical police. <laughs> so let's talk about medical police. Yeah, let's do <laughs> which it. no one else has seen except for me. Well, not. I don't think either of you have seen it. Have you? Seth has seen it. Do you know what his uh, Twitter handle is? Uh, uh, maybe if Seth, you'd like to follow Seth, him. Uh, is nodding vigorously at me, but he doesn't have a microphone, so he's not allowed to speak. <laughs> um, but uh, if you want to give all your uh, medical police hot takes to producer Seth, it's at Lovespackle on Twitter. L-U-V-S-P-A-C-K-L-E. Uh, which is not a dirty thing, but based on a song that he sang in college, mm. in his college band. So... At Love Spackle. Sort of a dirty thing. Well, I've, I've been assured that it's just, it's just a, a reference to a song. Right. The song was dirty, but sure. this reference is not. So, um, Seth is motioning at me somehow. I don't know. He's, he's sticking up two of his fingers. I don't know why. Anyway. Are they, um, both, are they both middle fingers? They are middle fingers, which is, okay. which is odd. But, you know, in, in, uh, in Japan, you know, you point to everything with your middle finger. So I think he's just pointing at a... Something on the ceiling. Oh, but anyway, that's very nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, medical what were you Police saying about? on, on oh, Netflix. Yes, that's right. It's a, it's a spinoff of Children's Hospital. So I don't, basically, if you like Children's Hospital, you'll like Medical Police. It's a half hour instead of 15 minutes. Um, Rob Hubel and Aaron Hayes are the leads, um, playing their same characters from Children's Hospital, except now they're, uh, they're in like a bioterrorism plot. Um, oh. So... It's basically them going around the world, you know, in kind of like a, in a satire of like an action, uh, you know, like an action series. Um, Sounds great, Dan. Where can we watch it? <laughs> you can watch it on Netflix. <laughs> oh, uh, this it's is on Netflix. Not, not at all sponsored content. Um, <laughs> no, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I actually don't know what to say about it. It's, it's good, but it's very it's much like Children's Hospital. I mean, it's the same... Uh, same creators and the you know the same staff and a lot of the same cast members. Um, 
Jason Schwartzman is in it, and he's great. Oh, I love him. Oh, I feel like we're living in a a resurgence of Jason Schwartzman. I'm okay with that. Yeah, because isn't Uh, he going to be in Fargo? Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, is uh, Timothy Elephant in the series, uh, Dan? Timothy Elephant is not in the series. Because I hear Um, you don't care for him. Yeah, okay. I heard First that of all, too. that was all that those are jokes that were all pre-pod uh, vicious mm. rumors being started by the two of you. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Timothy Oliphant. Didn't just didn't care for him in the good place this week. Uh, okay. <laughs> Dustin with the segues. Thank you, Dustin. Uh, of course I cared for him in the good place because the good place you know, I, I'm the one who is still championing the good place, despite some people saying that they're like, "Oh, it's not, it's not good anymore." Uh, yeah, I'm, I said uh, that. You don't have to talk around it. <laughs> well, both of you said it. I was, I was like, "It's not be... even that good anymore." That's exactly how I said it. So I think uh, I think endings are hard. I think that uh, any kind of mystery box show where you are, where when, once you start landing the plane, it's not going to be as exciting because. Things either have to start to make sense, and then you can't be as clever and revelatory, or they don't make sense, and then the ending will not work. Um, oh, we'd save that until we get to the Outsiders. How <laughs> dare you? First of all, it's the Outsider. We're oh, not sorry. talking my, about my the legendary YA novel. Come on, right. man. <laughs> Slash 80s movie that had everybody mm-hmm. in it. I have a tattoo in honor of that work, and I will not hear it be smirched. <laughs> Apologies. Apologies. Yeah, come you, on, have man. A, you have an outsider's yeah. tattoo? Yeah. Is that a pony boy? No, it's a stay gold on it. It's a train. Oh, oh yeah. okay. All right. Yeah. I like that. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I know. So, come on. So, wait, Dan, so what happens in this week's episode of Good Place? Are we going to do a recap? Why? Is that what's happening? No, but I just wanted to know why yeah, yeah, yeah. the Oliphant there. Okay. Um, do you, well, this is going to ruin it for you. I don't care. Now, yeah, I don't care. Okay. So. okay. Yeah. Um, so they're in the show, it's season four. They're near the, um, I think after this week, there are only three episodes left. So they're nearing the end game. Um, the, the place they left off coming into this episode was that, um, you know, the, the judge is trying to reboot, um, the universe and the janitor playing keep away with her, uh, her, what she calls her universe reboot clicker thingy. Um, that's not exact, but that's pretty close to what she calls it. Um, and uh, and so in the meantime, the gang is trying to figure out basically a brand new system for humanity, and they have to solve it in uh, in 20 minutes. Um, and uh, what Timothy Oliphant comes in when they're, they go into Janet's void and they're trying to distract the judge long enough. Okay. And she's been watching all of this television, and she loves Tim the Elephant. And they planted it a couple episodes ago where they said, um, she, like, she just had Justified on DVD in her bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh, Justified season two. She's like, oh, it's so good. And they come back, and so to kind of, like, make her hear them out once they have their plan, then um, Janet manifests a Timothy Elephant uh, dressed as Raylan Givens. So he's he's still Timothy Oliphant, but he's dressed like Raylan Givens mm-hmm. and kind of being kind of genteel and su- and like Southern in that way. Uh, and does he it's have pretty great. The, does he have the Raylan Givens posture where he's like sort of hunched over? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He has the posture. He has the hat. Uh, mm. He's 
he's asking a lot of questions and being very earnest and charming and also frustrating because he's kind of playing both sides in a weird way. (laughs) So would Um, you say, Dan, that Timothy Elephant was a device in this episode used to sort of fill the episode, to distract until the end? uh, No, I would say that it was... uh, it was a wonderful callback <laughs> and a nice joke to uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, to work uh-huh. into the show that you, you know you after don't... because because we met we met the judge in season at the end of season two uh, and sure. one of the things that they've talked about this character from all this time was that uh, how much she loves television and uh-huh, so uh-huh. Uh, and so this is a this is a great payoff of you know two and change seasons of jokes about how much she loves TV and how, of course, that would be the thing that foils her. So, you and know, if, if you've really been appreciating the long journey, I think that it's actually sure, a nice sure, payoff sure. to that. And you don't think that Timothy Elephant is sort of a metaphor for the entire season? It's mm. sort of like just filling time until the end. Okay, but if there's anybody <laughs> in my life I would want to fill time with, it is Timothy sure. Elephant. Sure, yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah. like, if he came over and was like, you want to fill some time, I'd be like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, no, Dustin, I, I don't, uh, I don't no. believe that I buy your premise that, okay. uh, right. that the show uh, in this episode or in the season have been filling time. Um, I, think that there's, uh, I think that they're building towards their end game, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, people are, regardless of whether you think the show is good or not, uh, this season. No, I love the uh, show, but what did gonna, they accomplish in this episode? In this episode, they, they rebuilt the entire uh, system of, you know, what's good and what's bad. Um, Wait, did they, or did they come up with an idea to do that? Well, they came up with a new version, but, you know, in 20 minutes, that's not bad. Okay, alright, fair enough. I don't, I, yeah, all right. <laughs> Was Timothy Oliphant in uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist? Dustin, Ooh. you're doing my job, which is I am all for. So thank you. He was not, but uh, uh, that's rude because it makes you think that like Skylar Austin and Timothy Oliphant are on the same level, and they are not. No, but wow, like, wouldn't it be fun to see Tim- Timothy Oliphant in like a musical? Uh, for my pants, yeah, it would be great. Oh, I wonder yeah. if he can sing. Yeah, I know. Mm. I feel like he could probably dance. I feel like he. I don't know. So a lot of times he reminds me of Brad Pitt. Like, I think they both have very good control over their, like, bodies and, like, how mm-hmm. they move. Yeah. So I could ma- I could see them dancing. I don't yeah. know if I could see them singing. Yeah. But I would be willing to pay money to check that out. Yeah. Right. Same. Yeah. So who watched this show? Both of you guys watched this show? Yeah, I watched it. Show? Yeah, both of us watched it. Um, mm-hmm. I So I was very excited about this coming in. Um this was the out of all the shows that got picked up uh, last May. Um, this was the one that I was actually the most excited about, um, just in terms of like concept. Um, and uh, I enjoyed it. I so they did a preview last week. I think Tuesday. Is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's not actually coming back until next month. So it'll just kind of disappear for three weeks. But. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought that, um, I mean, they got a lot of really talented people to be in it and to sing. I mean, Skylar Aston is kind of in every, anything that's musical. So And he's great. 
<clears throat> he's no <clears throat> and, offense, uh, but he's Peter great. Gallagher was great. Um, but uh, but there was something that felt a little strange to me, and I couldn't. Uh, it took me, I think, two viewings to kind of figure out what it was, and it was there. There's a there's a big different. There's a big gap in the tone of it between when they're not singing and when they are singing. And I mean, to where I think, I don't know, I don't know enough about music for this to, so this is just me guessing at the right terms, but it feels a little too produced or a little too polished um, when they're singing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and to where it feels like, oh, now, like, it's it's a little too jarring that now we're going into a song versus this is a world where people go into song, if that makes sense. Does it feel like Glee? Um mm-hmm. I thought it felt more like uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like those two are your most recent, like, song shows. Right. Whereas I feel right. like Glee got, like, increasingly absurdly produced, so the transitions were more and more jarring. Yeah, to me it felt more like Glee than, I mean, because Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it, it never felt like it was outside of, uh, I guess it's so clearly in her POV in mm-hmm. uh, that it felt like, like that felt those transitions felt okay versus yeah it feels a little more like a jarring produced kind of transition to me um, I can see that yeah I often but, think in a show like this how much every song costs them that's like right. the <laughs> right. forefront are of my singing, mind are they singing popular songs or are yes. they writing their own songs no they're popular it's all, songs no, it's all existing songs uh, I mean they they start they open with uh, the Beatles so oh my god they're spending money yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, there was one other thing that that uh, kind of annoyed me, but they they fixed it as the episode went on, and I kind of get why they did it. Was um, uh, I don't Dustin? I don't know how you felt about this. I'm interested to hear. But when in the very beginning, the first couple songs, um, uh, the Zoe, the lead, uh, was played by Jane Levy. She's so I guess shocked and confused by what's going on that she doesn't have anything to do because because everyone's singing at her. She's not participating right. in the songs the way that it is in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So um, especially like the first big number, she like the song is happening around her and she doesn't say anything. She doesn't sing anything. And it, it was kind of weird, like with her not getting a chance to react. Um, and over the course of the episode, she starts to do that. So by the time I think you get to kind of the midpoint song, then she's actually kind of like, talking back to them as they're singing um right. and it made that felt better to me that she was reacting to it but uh in the beginning it just felt weird that like the all these people are singing and dancing at her and she's she just kind of looks shocked and is like you know trying to i mean she was doing her best but it wasn't uh it just felt it felt like there was something missing and i think it was that um giving her an opportunity to react to it right yeah, well, yeah it's a pilot they'll work it out and i, I yeah it'll either I suspect it'll be one of those shows that I will love for like half a season and then tolerate for four. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, very honest, at least. Dustin, did you have a favorite number? or No, I don't remember it that well. Really? Okay. I only watched it once, though. I thought, I thought that the Peter Gallagher song clearly stood out. Wait, what was that song? It's him singing True Colors, but it's oh, him. Oh, yeah, that was good. That was uh, good. So, the, so Roxanne, since you haven't seen it, her mm-hmm. Peter Gallagher plays uh, Zoe's dad, but he has mm-hmm. like a disease that he's 
um, I don't know the disease, but he's basically kind of like locked into his body, so he can't okay. he can't speak at this point, and he can't react. So he's just kind of uh, so they get Peter Gallagher, who's great, but he's just sitting there the entire time and like not um, doing anything, and he doesn't have any lines, and he's just kind of sitting there emotionless. Um, and because her power allows her to hear uh, the inner thoughts of people, a song, then um, kind of at the emotional climax of the episode, um, he sings to her. And it's great. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, that's very sweet. Yeah. yeah. And his also, transition from the song back to like being still, like he sits down at the end of the song and like goes back to being in his shell. And it was at that moment I was like, oh, that's really great. Like he's he's doing a good job. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things that's tricky because like we've seen so many not great depictions of like neurological illness yeah. Yeah. on TV that I like that that sort of gives it another facet because there are, unfortunately, Lots of diseases like that where you lose motor function, but mm-hmm. you're clearly still there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that sounds good. I feel like I'll I'll take a chance on that. It's very cute and scene version I love in it too. Yeah, I mean she was totally snubbed today for her Wild Rose song, so we can give her some support by watching that show. <laughs> How much is Lauren Graham in it? Uh, she's there. She plays the boss. She plays Jane Levy's boss. So she's there for, you know, a few scenes and just being, mm-hmm. um, controlling boss, know. which is like totally yeah. out of character for. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind um, of fascinated by that. But she, in the preview for kind of like, here's what's coming up this season. She at least gets one song in the preview. So she'll okay. definitely, she'll definitely be back at least, you know, in and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm always curious to see her like outside of. I never really watched Parenthood, so I'm always curious to see her outside oh, of... Oh, goodness. Yeah, like Lorelai Gilmore mode. I know, I need to catch up on Parenthood. I know, I know. You never will, but it's such a wonderful, warm, and uh, How much is show. Dax Shepard in it? Cause you a know lot, that I, and that's yeah. when I started liking Dax Shepard, because see, of his character. And that's exactly why I did not watch, because I was like, ugh. I know, I, I hear that. <laughs> I understand that, but he's so much different in this show. You're like, oh my god, Dax Shepard. He's good. Is, he's yeah, really yeah. good. And Matt Saracen is in it. I mean, I yep, know yep, why yep. I should watch it. I just have to. Michael B. Jordan's in it for a little while. Yeah, oh, that's I know. right. And Mae Whitman. I love Mae yeah. Whitman. It's just <sighs> a solid, fantastic show. Okay. It's on the list. The <laughs> list I'll never, get, never get through because no, there's so much TV. I know. It's so bad. Well, on top of you're... all of the scripted TV, there's also uh, Jeopardy, which has been around forever, but... This week, uh, or last week and this week, um, they've been in the middle of their greatest of all time tournament, and uh, I think Roxana and I wanted to talk about this a little bit. Um, but do you want to start it off, Roxana? Yeah. So I I like really love Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> so you just watch it all the time? Or? Yeah, we watch it all okay. the time. Like um, I grew up watching it, and then mm-hmm. Adam and I watch it every night. Um, and really? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It's, I just, it's very reassuring to me and, um, I, yeah, it's just, it's very comforting for some reason. And like Jeopardy has its own quirks. Like I think that they rely on like the Bible and opera way too often. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of fascinating because like you see these very smart people who are in Jeopardy and inevitably they all suck when it comes to questions about like Islam or the Middle East. So like it has its own like rhythms, which, yeah. you know, I'm sort of in tune with. And if you were paying attention, there was actually like a low key controversy last week because they asked a question about the church of the nativity and where it's located 
and somebody answered Palestine, which they ruled incorrect, and somebody answered Israel, and they ruled correct, when in reality, it's in the West Bank, which is technically not Israel. Anyway, so I think right. it's still, like, interesting in terms of, like, how relevant it is. So, yeah. the Greatest of All Time tournament brings back Ken Jennings, mm-hmm. who has won the most games brad whose last name i always forget he's just brad and he's (laughs) won the most money and then james holtzhauer who i love who like went on a spree last year you're the only person that loves james holtzhauer adam and i (laughs) love james my mom loves james she is like convinced that like ken yeah she's convinced that ken is like out to get him it's like very fascinating um but yeah, like we love James, so we're rooting. I feel for like Holzhauer is definitely okay. the villain. I think that he, I don't know, I, I don't know if I would consider him a villain. I think he sort of is having. I think he's like a disruptor, and I hate mm-hmm. that term. But I feel like he's very much like a chaos agent. Like he doesn't care about the original rules, and he's just right. going to play the way that he wants to play. So they brought the three of them back, and the format is: you're playing two half-hour, like, traditional episodes, and then each hour long is a match, and you're supposed to win three matches. Yeah. And so it's airing in prime time, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, at 8 p.m., and it kind of seems like it's a phenomenon. I don't really know how the ratings numbers ratings are Ratings-wise, it's been doing really well. Yeah, 15 yeah. million, like, bigger than yeah. any scripted show. Like, I think it's one of those things where it's, like, you know... We as Americans have, like, a crippling need for game shows. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, you know, there's a lot of, like, vested interests. Like, of the three of them, I think you have a favorite. Right. And it's noticeably harder than regular Jeopardy, which I appreciate. So, yeah, so we've been enjoying it. It's been, like, appointment television for us, and we're rooting for James. Really? Man, Yeah. (laughs) I feel like, I feel, and I'm only, I'm reading recaps the next day, so I'm not actually Mm -hmm. watching it. But I just feel like the whole thing is set up, and 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 the wait, wait, set up in what way? Not set up, but like those the 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 rules are situated in such a way uh, to favor Ken Jennings because they secretly want him to win because he will probably take over for Trebek at some point. Um, I mean, like. I could maybe see that, but I don't think that the rules are set up for him. I think what's been really fascinating to watch is, like, who gets in certain rhythms. Like, a mm-hmm. lot of it is about being the fastest, yeah. right. and that definitely trades between Ken and James. Yeah. But what's been really interesting is that Brad has, I think, gotten, like... 99% of the daily doubles. I mean, that's yeah. not statistically correct, but I think he's gotten all, I think he's gotten all but two or he's three He's gotten most of them. of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then he just like craps out, which is so fascinating for Brad, who's normally such a dominant player. Right. So it's actually been really interesting seeing these three people who have very different personalities interacting together. Yeah. And Dan, I, what do you think? Oh, sorry. I like, no, uh, so I, it's funny because I'm, I think of the three, I, I didn't watch, I mean, I don't watch Jeopardy regularly, but I definitely saw all three of them, you know, it, the, all three of them had long enough or big enough runs that I was like, oh, I kind of want to check this out. So I would kind of like, I checked in when they became, you know, once they became a thing kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and of the three, I kind of, I guess I like Ken Jennings the best. Like he just, mm-hmm. I don't know, he, he's got kind of like a, not not in the same kind of like, not that they're the same at all, but he kind of strikes me as kind of like a, uh, um, 
uh, John Hodgman-y kind of like smart nerdy mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. just like is just like who he is and like he's mostly you know just kind of chill and knows a lot of stuff and likes writing and that's kind of it mm-hmm. um, uh, but I like James in how like I like how kind of ruthless he is like even it. with his even with his like when he's uh, when he's calling for a category he's like you know such and such for eight and like he doesn't even bother finishing 800 because it's like no we got to do this as fast as possible mm-hmm. um, uh, but uh, I I do want to say that there is one uh, Jeopardy champion who's missing and who I think should have been invited back for this I swear and to God, of course if you say buzzy I'm going to quit. it's not buzzy uh, it's Watson uh, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. faced off against uh, Ken Jennings and Brad Rutter and beat them in 2011. Uh, Was that and, the computer? You know, I, yes, it's uh, IB, the IBM, it's the IBM computer, computer. <laughs> supercomputer that was, that was built and uh, now is, like, curing cancer or something. So, you know, he's got other things to do. But, uh, but no, I, I mean, I, I'm only curious about it because, uh, because Watson was legitimately so good that I'm curious to see how, he, how it would do against James. Uh, I think my fear about that is that I don't actually want to know like how progressed AI is. <laughs> like I don't want to know that actually. So yeah. like <laughs> I'm really good not knowing it. But and Watson that, had like a pleasant voice and like had this weird globe thing to represent his face. See, like I I really relish James's like cutthroat aggressiveness because <laughs> it taps into the same feeling as to when I watched Succession. Really like ruthless, like cutting edge, like mm-hmm. we're here to make money, let's make money. Right. And his and his story, you know, I'm a sucker for first gen immigrant stories. So like I really love his whole backstory and that I used to watch Jeopardy with like his Japanese grandmother and like I just I really I really like love that. So yeah. But I do think that you're correct in that they're I think Dustin is correct in that they clearly seem to be I think they've always liked Ken as yeah. a replacement choice for Alex, and I think this gets him back out in front right. of people, mm-hmm. and I could very well see that going down. But I like the gentle ribbing. I feel like they've all been, like all the contestants have been sort of competitive with each other, and it's right. like, a, it's a nice vibe. Yeah. And I, you know, I enjoy that. And like last year they did the team champions thing. So I also like that Jeopardy is experimenting with new formats because mm-hmm. it's such a like familiar setup that I think it's nice to see them branch out. Yeah. Did, um, this is a minor um, diversion. Did you guys know that Jeopardy is the reason why I do what I do? That I'm a journalist? No. No. Tell me. Tell me. <clears throat> All right. I'll try to make this brief. Uh, in high school, I was in the trivia team for our high school. It was eighth in the nation. We were very good. We went to Disney and we competed nationally. But it was because I'm sorry, you, you went to Disney. Yeah, to compete nationally. Hmm. And there was a tournament. <clears throat> um, but it was because we had this fantastic player named Shane Whitlock. He was like a, a good friend of mine who was like dominant. Uh, he, uh, when I went to college, uh, he went. We went to the same college. And he was on the um, College Jeopardy. And he would later go on to be in the Tournament of Champions and the best of the 90s, whatever. But that year, he won College Jeopardy. But no, And he told me that like three weeks in advance because, you know, they pre-tape. And I went to my school newspaper and I said, I know who won College Jeopardy. You have to hire me and I will give you an interview with him. <laughs> oh, my God. 
and that's how I ended up on the uh, school newspaper. Nepotism? Cool. What was that nepotism? That was just like... <laughs> no, that's a great story. It's, yeah. Yeah. But Shane, I think he played Ken Jennings at one point in like the Tournament of Champions. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, when they had like the decades one uh-huh. where like they pitted the best of the 90s versus the best of the 2000s or whatever. The internet tells me that Shane Whitlock is now a doctor. Good for Shane. Oh, he was always a doctor. Oh, he was a doctor even before. Oh, after the college, the, the college Jeopardy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Diagnostic radiologist. Go out there, Dr. Whitlock. Good for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm a little disturbed by how quickly you can Google things, Roxana. Um, I'm great at it, and <laughs> it's the only claim to fame I have. So, uh, so yeah. But yeah, I've been enjoying it. So, Dustin, have you been watching or no? Uh, I've been reading the recaps the next okay. day. Yeah. Okay. What is a Jeopardy recap like? Uh, Uprock says them and gets a ton of uh, page views huh. from them. Huh. Yeah. I never would have guessed. Yeah, yeah me they either. get so much traffic. Hmm. I guess I'm on the outside of that. <laughs> <laughs> God, that That's, was so lame. How do that you guys was great. do this? That was great. Well, normally we just say, uh, yeah, now we're going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that was, that was great, Roxana. Yeah, thank I you do what for I, that I do what I can. amazing segue yeah. into um, uh, this week's main thing, even though we've been talking for quite a while already. It's uh, The Outsider. Uh, not The Outsiders, Dustin. Apologies. To get the name right. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the new HBO miniseries. Uh, created by, or based on the book by uh, Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the first two episodes released on Sunday. Um, I think it's, is it eight episodes total? It's is ten. that right? Oh, okay, yeah. it's ten episodes. Oh, it is ten. Oh, wow. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, wow. And I know, so we're all kind of, this is going to be kind of interesting because we're all at varying stages of knowledge because, uh, Roxana, you've seen the first four, is that right? Six. Oh, you've the seen the first six. six. Okay, mm-hmm. so so you've seen the first six. I've only seen what's aired, and Dustin has uh, read the book. So, mm-hmm. so we all know different amounts of things. But um, uh, I'm curious to see what everyone thinks. Um, so I'm not a big reader, or like I definitely don't read as much as you guys do. In general, I'm not that bright. Um, I'm not. I I watch a lot of TV, but I don't read. <laughs> even though I I have a lot of books, they're just unread. <laughs> But the, uh, I, have a, I have a lot of decorative tech. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but I was really glad that they released the first two episodes because um, the first episode, I, I honestly, other than like the occasional supernatural thing, which clearly it's going to head down that road at some point, um, it felt a lot like the night of, but mm-hmm. it didn't have the same amount of character development. So I was kind of like, oh, this is okay. Like I like the mood that they're setting up, but I don't, I don't care about anybody yet. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, um, it also reminded me a little bit of Broadchurch, uh, mm-hmm. but again, mm-hmm. without kind of the same level of character investment. Um, but once it shifts in episode two, and, uh, I guess since all of us have seen the first two, so it's, I mean, it's not spoilers for anyone here, but if you're listening, spoilers. Um, but once they kill Terry, uh, which is Jason Bateman's character, then they make clear that it's not a mystery about what happened the way that like the night of was. Um, but it's, um, it's really about Ben, it's really following Ben Mendelsohn and his, um, this case and how bizarre it is. 
uh, and and the new character who's coming in, I think, I guess in the next episode. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I was I was I was glad when they made that pivot because when it felt like it was going to be kind of like the night of or Broadchurch, I wasn't that interested in it. But when they turned it, I, I was more. It grabbed me more. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Yeah, like I I am very so I've been very fascinated by Dustin's analysis cuz Dustin has read the book and I mm. could be misconstruing your response Dustin, but it seems like you liked the thriller stuff but mm-hmm. not the supernatural stuff whereas I feel like this it gets increasingly I guess spoiler or whatever it gets increasingly supernatural as the show progresses right. and I have really liked that element of it because I think it I mean that's pretty typical Stephen King and that like his latter works is that like something starts in a certain way and then pivots to something darker like Gerald's game was very much like this mm-hmm. um but so like I have enjoyed that. I think that the six episodes have a really good sense of pacing, and I think the character development is really there for this broad ensemble. So you have Ben Mendelsohn, you have Bill Camp, who was on the night of, as Dan mentioned. Um, You have Jeremy Bob and Yul Vasquez, who you probably recognize from Russian Doll. You have Julian Nicholson, who plays um, Jason Bateman's widow, and if you saw Monos last year, thank you. You're like the only person besides me who saw it. <laughs> um, and you've Patty Considine, who like I'm so oh. excited to see in everything. Like I love Patty Considine. I didn't know I he was in this. I love Patty Considine. Yeah, so he plays the um, like the strip club manager. So like I feel like it's like a really strong cast. And then what Dan was saying is that in the next episodes you're going to be introduced to Holly Gibney, who's hmm. played by now. Academy Award nominee Cynthia Erivo Mm -hmm. and she is like one of those very quintessential Stephen King characters and that like she's sort of operating on a wavelength different from everybody else and she can kind of construe things and understand things and perceive things in a way that is separate from a traditional criminal investigation so like the next four episodes are really probing at how you know like a typical police investigation would try to understand what is happening with this crime. Like you have um, Ralph and Howie and all these other like by the book sort of investigators trying to figure it out. And then you have Holly like off in a different location by herself trying to take a different angle on it. So like I really liked it, but it does veer super hard into that supernatural element but like i have found it like very spooky in like a very effective way Mm -hmm. um it's given me some nightmares because i'm like a major wuss Mm. but um (laughs) but dustin so what are your thoughts so do you not like how the book ends or what is i have sort of like issues with it on two fronts first of all i love the first i guess it would probably be the first five or six episodes i haven't seen the first five but that part of the book I mm-hmm. really liked. The problem mm-hmm. my first issue with it was that it was sort of a spin-off of the Mr. Mercedes um, books, which were turned later turned into a David Kelly series that nobody watched. With mm-hmm. um but those Jeremy were Jeremy Piven? Not Piven. Is that the one? No no it had oh, um 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 Oh I'm thinking of something else. Uh what's his face? Damn it. Uh in Bruges. 
Brendan yes. Gleeson. Yes, yes, thank you. The other audience network yeah, show. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but those detective uh, stories were grounded in, in reality. There wasn't that much in, by way of supernatural stuff. So that sort of surprised me because I thought, oh my God, this is this perfect mystery detective story. How how are they going to figure this out? How are they going to solve this? What are they going to do? And then, of course, Stephen King can sort of like, uh, he has the crutch of the supernatural. He can solve anything. You can you can create any scenario, and that's what Stephen King does. He like creates these elaborate setups that are fantastic, but then he sort of backs himself in the corner, and all he can do is use supernatural elements to get himself out of it. So it was a little disappointing to me because I did not know it was going to go that in that direction. And then the way ultimately that it did go in the end was disappointing to me as well. But I will say that I did love the first three-fourths of it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what's really interesting is that the, the show goes really hard on the supernatural stuff early. really early. Yeah, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't I mean... It sort of like hinted at it in the book, but it didn't go hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely. I, I feel like to the show's credit, it like doesn't pull any punches. Yeah. Like by midway episode three, like beginning of episode four, once Holly Gibney enters the investigation, like it very clearly picks up that pace. And I almost feel like they do that so that you kind of have time to settle with the idea that it's a supernatural show. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I feel like they're trying really hard for it not to feel like a swerve. Yeah. And that, um, so I watched the first six and then I rewatched the first two and that made me really appreciate the first two more because they're mm-hmm. like almost ruthlessly efficient in how they start off as just like a by the books investigation show. Right. And then really by like the end of the second episode when Ben Mendelsohn is like, what the fuck is happening here? I do think you're also like, what the fuck is happening yeah. here? And and they've definitely done enough of the. Uh, I mean, they, they spend several shots on uh, what is he called, like Putty Face Man or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh um, my god! But, but where, Dan. just where where Dan. he's no? <laughs> Danny scares the shit out of me, Dan. <laughs> I paused and I was like staring at my TV because I'm like, what is that? What's yeah. happening with that character? Um, but it's it's clear, like you know, they're they they're doing it in such a way that you're like, okay, there's definitely something weird happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it's, you know, so, so there's something else. It's not, it's not clear cut the way that it would be in like a, in a show without su- supernatural elements. Um, and yeah, he is super creepy. Um, He's, oh my God, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm creeped out and I've only seen the first two. I'm, yeah, a, I'm think, assuming it gets worse or it gets worse. And I think that they do a very good job. Like, I'm very impressed by, like, the little things that they're sprinkling in so that you realize, like, something is amiss here, but you don't quite know what it is in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that he's just, like, this creepy hooded figure, like, lurking around. Like, when the dad in the family is hanging himself, you very intentionally see him walking away from that house. Like, right. he clearly wasn't in the crime scene, but mm-hmm. he was just waiting there, and I really like that scene where you see the, like, douchey cop Jack, like, going hunting. 
and mm-hmm. it almost looks like he's in this weird, like apocalyptic landscape. And then you see him hunting the boar and he gets called away. And then all of a sudden the boar has been like mauled and destroyed right? in a way very similar to how the boy was mauled and destroyed. So right. I think they're, they're doing a really good job, like sprinkling in little clues about the weird shit that is happening here. Yeah, and, and I will say that I have like more faith in the TV show because horror novel. I don't. I don't like horror novels. I love horror movies. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't work very well for me in novelistic form. So I feel like right. this will be better as a TV show than it was as a novel. And I mean, they're getting you know like Richard Price is pretty prestigious, yes. and like yeah. they're getting Dennis Lehane, and he's writing the penultimate, which is like such uh, a Dennis Lehane move. Yep, yep. So you know, I do think that they are sort of pulling out the punches. And I will tell you that like I've been sort of resistant to watching Ozark, but like Bateman's direction for he's these good. first two episodes really kind of sold me on like maybe I should check out Ozark. Like, <laughs> it's good. He's um, got a problem with like a blue tint thing, but oh yeah, it's he... like super dark. Yeah. yeah, 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 and then like Karen Kasuma directs one of the episodes, so I think it's oh, a cool. very I didn't know that. yeah. So I think it's like a pretty prestigious cast and crew that they assembled. And what I didn't realize, Dustin, is that uh, Willa from Succession plays Holly Gibney on that Mr. Mercedes show. Yeah, and like her version is so different from Cynthia. Arrivo's yeah, yeah, that's version. so crazy. And I yeah. I did not know that it was Cynthia Revo because she's the sort of like spinoff character mm-hmm. from Mr. Mercedes, and I had no idea. Yeah, so it's really interesting because I could not think of two actresses more different <laughs> than the <laughs> two of them. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it's the kind of thing where like I'm sort of pissed off that I get screeners because Adam and I realized we basically have to wa- wait a month yeah. to like get the rest oh, of the episodes. Yeah. yeah, and we're really liking it, so I'm excited. I'm excited, but tentatively so, because I still think the ending may shit the bed, mm-hmm. which is why but they're see, airing it in January instead of, like, the summer. But see, that's why I feel like, I really don't, and that's why I was so sort of surprised by your take, because I feel like the ending is not obvious, but there's very much an implied ending by the time you get, like, midway through the season. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm, like, sort of surprised as to, like, how it could be disappointing. So I don't know. We'll have to. I'll have to check back in with you as the weeks progress. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, I'm. I'm also excited, and uh, which is, I was very like worried after the first episode. Like I, I was mm-hmm. legitimately concerned that oh no, this is not going to be. Um, I mean, not that it wouldn't be well executed, but that it wasn't going to be interesting, mm-hmm. um, or you know, something I'd want to engage with further. But. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is funny because the first episode sure. is the show that I wanted to watch. <laughs> I was like, "This is going to be amazing." So you really wanted like a non-supernatural crime yeah, show? Yeah. So you want okay. the night of? Basically. Okay. God, the night of was so. I mean, the night of was really good. Aside from a few things that I did not like, but overall it was so good. I yeah. did really like that show. Riz Ahmed uh, for everyone. Yeah. And Bill Kemp playing the same character. Except he's yeah. a lawyer here instead of a cop. He's so good, though. Oh, yeah, like, he's so good. Like, I have been kind of, like, he just does so much with a line reading. Like, mm-hmm. I've just been very 
very impressed. And I've always liked Ben Mendelsohn, but I think this is like the longest I've seen him in something because I didn't uh-huh. watch Ozark or no, Bloodline. he's on Bloodline, right? Uh, yes. Didn't watch Bloodline. Bloodline so I didn't watch Animal Kingdom. So mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I'm really enjoying this like obviously rage filled, but like barely keeping it together. Yeah. Ben Mendelsohn because like his movie villains are such caricatures right. that this is like a very nice contrast to that and I'm sorry Patty Considine we're not talking yeah. about Patty Considine <laughs> <laughs> he really grew up to be very hot like thank you Patty I appreciate that so yeah I'm enjoying it <laughs> it's like that that your yeah. ending thought is yeah he grew up to be hot <laughs> yeah very hot like aged yeah, very, very well I'm enjoying it sometimes you just gotta manage a strip club called the peach crease <laughs> and <Yeah>. you know <laughs> That's just He's doing life. his best. He's doing yeah. his best. He's doing yeah. the best he can. So yeah. Um, speaking of people doing the best they can, let's get to our game Ooh. because that's a segue that makes sense. Um, uh, <laughs> today's game, uh, in honor of the outsider, is the uh, oh I just thought of a better game right now, oh. but, but we're not gonna we're not gonna do it. Well, too bad. Um, Wait, can you put it together? Uh, no, it's gonna take. I mean, it's gonna take a few minutes, and we'll play it next time okay. without you, Roxanne. We can play it next time. So, <laughs> so the, the here, I'll, I'll I'll tell you. I'll spoil the game that I thought of, which is, which I think I honestly think is better. Uh, it would be the Outsider or the Outsiders. Oh, <sighs> yeah. Because um, I didn't think about that until Dustin made that mistake, and then <laughs> it took an hour for it to percolate through my brain, but. Uh, instead, one, I like today's that. game will be... Well, you know, Roxanne, when you come back to discuss uh, the end of The Outsider, we'll play that. Yeah, let's do that. Um, that but today's good. game is the uh, is it's called Benner Bateman. So I did about four minutes of internet research, pretty much just on IMDb. And uh, you just have to decide whether the, the thing I'm describing re- applies to Ben Mendelsohn or Jason Bateman. Or it could be both. It, that's oh possible. my god! Okay. So, um, that's it. Uh, it's pretty simple, I think. Um, but we'll see. Please don't go- don't Google it, or you know, you can if you want. Well, but like, how am I going to be able to compete with Dustin who cheats? Well, Dustin, <laughs> Dustin does cheat. God. Hashtag Dustin cheats. So yeah. maybe you should. You know what? Uh, you know what? Open book test. If you can, uh, if you can Google it, time, feel free. I mean, look, it's we've already be pretty, established how great she 50, is at googling. It's 50-50, you know, even with both, it's one out of three. So you're, Why you're better do off you hate guessing. Timothy Oliphant so much? That's not, that doesn't make sense based on what we've been speaking about. And also, untrue, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I've been a fan since Deadwood. So uh-huh. there, I just take don't that, understand it. Dustin. Um, I mean, Deadwood the movie was like the best. So, oh, so good. And I so normally good. am very worried about fan service stuff, but I was okay with it there. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Ben, Bateman, or both? Um, these will probably start easy and get harder-ish. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Um, they're not in any particular order, but uh, let's go. Uh, all right. This actor is from Australia. Mendelssohn. Yeah. Roxanne gets it. I was waiting for the Silver Spoons <laughs> reference. Um, is, uh, okay, so Roxanne is up 1-0. Um, next. Uh, this actor once said the following line. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works Bateman. out for him. 
That's correct. Bateman and in Dodgeball. the movie Dodgeball, a true underdog story. Mm, um, okay. All right, so it's one to one. Uh, let's see. All right, this actor uh, is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mendelssohn. Correct. Yep. He was in Captain Marvel. Mm. Yep. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two it's, to one, Roxana. Did I say what we're playing to? No. no. Okay, we're playing to five. Just, okay. just in case you were worried. <laughs> Thought you were going to be like Baker's dozen. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look up that much stuff. Uh, okay, uh, this actor began his career in the eighties. Bateman. Uh, but also maybe Bendelson. I was there in the eighties. So you gotta both. give it to correct. Roxana's correct. Okay. Both. both. Oh, yep. Really, Mendelssohn uh, is Ben Mendelssohn's career goes back to nineteen eighty-five, I believe. Really? Okay. Uh, yep. It was in Australia, but you know, still. Was he in the Australian Silver Spoons? Um, <laughs> yes, because he was in Home and Away or whatever that show is that everybody's in. He was in Home and uh, Away? No, I don't know. There's some right. show that everybody's in, and he was probably on it. Okay. I don't have Australian TV, so I can't help uh, you. R.I.P. Australia. Um, Best of luck. Yeah, it's, it's on fire. Yeah. Uh, three to one, Roxana. Jesus. Uh, let's see. Hashtag uh, Dustin Cheats. <laughs> hashtag Dustin Cheats. Uh, okay, this actor is in the Star Wars universe. Oh, also Middleton. Middleton. Oh, that's a tie. I heard it at the mm. same time. Because um, Roxana said also. Also But Mendelsohn. you said Mendelssohn at the same time, so I'm going to give you both a half point. Okay, that's um, fine. That's fair. fair. So fair. Roxana's still up three and a half to one and a half, um, despite Dustin's rampant cheating. <laughs> um all right. This actor played future U.S. House Representative Joe Kennedy III in the 1985 TV miniseries Robert Bateman? Kennedy and His Times. Roxana started first, so she gets it. Um, although you're very unsure of your answer. Yeah, I was like, I feel like it's it American. How would it be Mendelssohn? That would be amazing right. if it was Ben Mendelsohn, though. Yeah, it would. It would really be very good. Um, all right. Well, Roxanne is dominating this game, which I think is just great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this actor was in a Netflix original series. Mendelsohn. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're both incorrect. It was both. <gasps> oh, that's true. You're right. Uh, yeah, because, because Ozark and Bloodline. Ozark cheated. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry. neither of you what? get that. Dustin, what? How dare you? <laughs> Neither of you are correct. Dan uh, cheated with a trick and question. And that one, that one was very easy, I thought. Yeah, yeah it was. Fair no, enough. it was. I you was... know, the real test would be to, like, name five movies that each of them has been in. That oh. should be... Uh, yeah. I've That's had, really tough. I don't think I could do that. Oh, I could do that yeah. for both of them, I think. I, I could. <laughs> but, no. An hour ago. Wanna... All right. Yeah. Uh, now, the... with all the sangria. Yeah, so right. much sangria. Yeah. All right. Uh, four and a half to one and a half still. Uh, this actor guest starred in the HBO show Girls. Oh. Really? <gasps> I feel like it's Mendelssohn? Correct. Roxanne's correct. God damn it was it. Mendelssohn. I don't remember uh, that episode. I, I haven't seen that episode, but it was on his IMDb. So Great. There you go. Would you call it uh, guest starred, or would you say he was just a character? No, he guest starred because he had already had his breakout. Mm. His breakout was, it was Bloodline. After, no, his breakout was. Uh, you think his breakout was, was Animal Bloodline? Kingdom. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, said, I watched Animal, Animal Kingdom, Kingdom after Bloodline. No, his well, breakout was Animal Kingdom and then Killing Them Softly, the best film oh, so good. of the decade. Uh, and then The Place Beyond the Pines. Remember yeah. when he's dancing with Ryan Gosling? Oh, the I, dog? Didn't, I didn't even and remember him was, in that. Right, and then he's in Lost River. 
he's like the one who's trying to like repossess Ava Mendez's house. And I like that the... Roxana's just dropping knowledge. Yeah, Ben because Mendelsohn. I, because I really enjoy like because Ben Mendelssohn had a really good like sort of weird career mm-hmm. before he like you know transitioned into like the Disney monolith. Right, but he's only so. done one Disney. Right, he had the great Ryan Reynolds movie. He's done two Disney just in the last three years. Two? I'm sorry. Star Wars, oh, wait, Star Wars Marvel, Marvel and Star Wars. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Right. Sorry. Also, Dustin, that great movie has a name. You honor that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was called Mississippi Grind, and it's it was so good. great. Yeah, that was a good one. Everyone who's like, Uncut Gems is the best movie. I'm like, you just didn't watch Mississippi yeah, yeah. Grind. Like, it's clear. I did not see Mississippi Grind, and also I don't think Uncut Gems was the best movie. Thank you, Dan. But this is, not a, this is not a movie podcast. This is a yeah, TV right. podcast. We so can all we talk about it, that. how much we dislike Uncut Gems and how much you dislike Timothy Elephant. I do not dislike <laughs> Timothy Elephant. This is, a, this, is a, this is slanderous. Slander or libel. If- Whichever one is not... is. is Verbal and not printed. <laughs> what, um, if, what if the rant is Dan ranting about Timothy Olive? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Roxana, you have won the game, so you do get to choose who rants, and so you mm. could you could make that the rant if you want, but I think you'll be disappointed because it will be a positive rant about how much I love. <sighs> Well, you know, I could also be okay with that. I feel like I feel like Dustin what? had his ranting opportunity with Manifest. Thank so you. So I do want to see what Dan could bring to the table. So Dan, I feel like you should you should go for it. Okay, wait. Am I am I ranting about something or? Yeah, or I mean, rant about anything? whatever you want. I don't care. Just rant away. Rant about okay. uncut gems. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so uh, I I. Uh, you I finally s- watched Uncut Gems okay. um, mm-hmm. this weekend, actually, so I would kind of waited. And I'd heard, you know, people loved it. The thing that I'd heard about it more, and I'm not a, I don't know the work of the Safdie brothers, so I'm not. Have you uh, seen any of their movies or you were going in totally blind? I was going in totally blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that I have friends who love their work. Uh, I have heard good things about, the, about them. Um, I The thing that I'd heard the most about this movie going in was, Everyone was like, "Oh my god, it was tense. It was so tense right. and so intense and I was I was on the edge of my sh- my seat or I was so stressed out by this movie." And so that definitely, you know, altered my expectations going in. Um I don't think I think that that stuff is accurate and fine. Um it is a tense movie, but mm. I I think what it was is that I learned something about myself, which is that I think they did such a good job of creating a, a specific tone and like a like a mood. Like the movie has a mood of this this the, like the chaos of it and like the constant motion and all of these events just piling on top of each other one after another. Um, but I didn't care about any of the characters, and I don't want to. I don't mean like they weren't likable. Like I don't care if someone's likable, but I want to like. Like, other than Adam Sandler's character, and he was great, the next most clearly drawn character was Kevin Garnett. Mm -hmm. And everyone else was either a caricature or just someone who wasn't important enough that we never really meet them beyond, you know, their role. Um, And I was really... That kind of bummed me out, because I think there are a lot of things about this movie that are really well done. Um... And I did not care by the end of it because I was just like, ah, I don't, 
I don't, I'm not, I don't know. Everyone's just kind of there and they're all, they're all caricatures or, or types. Uh, a lot of it hinges on his mistress who was never clearly defined. So when she's going off on her like act three journey, I'm like, I don't, I don't know who she is still. And I don't really care other than how she relates to Adam Sandler's character. Um, and, uh, I don't know. The only, the only person who had like a real like journey of like discovery was Kevin Garnett. And I was really impressed by him cause I wasn't expecting much, but you know, he was, he was good. Like he was, I believed that he was going through this weird thing and had that like weird connection with the stone and somehow felt like it, you know, it affected him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there, there, there are so many talented people in there doing a good job, but they felt like they had not enough to do. And I just, I just wanted, I just wanted someone else in the movie to really like, to know what they're doing rather than it just being through, um, you know, basically there's one character and that's it. Um, and I understand that I am describing a very different movie, so that's fine. It's just ultimately it was, I, I think it was well done. It's not for me. I hear I that. respect that. Yeah, can can I ask you both a question about it? Yeah, sure. I'm ready. I love questions. So. Briefly, because <laughs> we had a screener. And oh, you asked me this already. Yeah, yeah, and, and nobody answered this question. And, and we spent the first half hour watching the screener trying to fix our TV and adjusting the sound and everything because you couldn't hear the dialogue over the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, but that's, that's intentional. Mm-hmm. That's, that's we because didn't it's about... know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, it felt intentional to me. Mm-hmm. Well, we I didn't assume. realize it was intentional, and we just thought it was broken, and it was really annoying. Right. No, I mean, I think I think a lot of the dialogue is purposefully not, like, entirely muffled out, but, like, obfuscated by the yeah. score. Yeah. And especially, like, when they're in the diamond store, like, the first time that Lakeith's character brings Kevin Garnett, like, everybody's just, like, shouting at each other. Like, there's mm-hmm. not, like, everybody's talking over each other very purposefully. So I think it's one of those things where it's, like, you couldn't really, like, alter the settings for that because it was what they wanted. Right. Um, yeah, to, like, add to that vibe of, like, this is very anxious, like, this is very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Sandler in the role. Like, I thought that he oh, yeah, captured he what that role was, but for me, I really liked Eric Bogosian as I Arno. I did, too. Yeah. I thought he was really good, and I thought that that, like, reveal of their relationship later in the movie was very impactful. But it's definitely one of those movies that I can, like, acknowledge that this is, like, well-made. But I agree with you, Dan. It's, like, not really my thing. And, yeah. I, it, and like, maybe I'm just, like, very cynical. But I also didn't find it that anxiety-inducing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how. I, I feel like my bar was set high. So I wasn't that anxious. Yeah. But because I was expecting it to be anxious. Yeah, I feel like uh, once he makes that first, like, bet that doesn't work out, you're like, yeah. okay, this is going to be the rhythm of this movie. So, like, you kind right. of get an understanding of what it's going to be. But I really hated their previous movie, Good Time. Like, I oh, loathe okay. that movie. So this was, like, a little bit of a surprise in that, like, it was really well made. I, it's just not my thing. But yeah. my favorite thing about the Safdie brothers is Scorsese said, because Scorsese produced... 
Uncut Gems, is he said that the Safties would just come to the Irishman set and, like, hang out, like, for days <laughs> on end. Like, <laughs> and just, like, watch Scorsese work. So, like, yeah. I do kind of respect that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I have one question since both of you saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at the very end, when uh, when Sandler... You know he's he's locked uh, Eric Bogosian and the two mm-hmm. uh, the two henchmen in the uh, in the the little vestibule. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Good good word. I don't mm-hmm. not a word that's used enough, and not one that I could recall. It's all that good jeopardy, word, Dan. Actual, all that jeopardy. Yeah. Um, the there 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 are a couple moments. There are a couple shots where they show Eric Bogosian and the way that he's reacting. Um, it it made me wonder about that, uh, and also with where it goes at the end um, when the two thugs kill both of them. Um, that way to uh, just spoil a movie, Dan. Well, you you two have already seen it, and I'll put a spoiler warning in there. It's fine. <laughs> um, but were were they actually in charge the whole time? And like, is there some other thing where like Eric Bogosian owed them money, and he that that's almost how it felt to me. I don't know if it was that or if it was just they're just like we're tired of dealing with this. I kind of felt like they were just tired of dealing with it. Like mm, okay. my sort of understanding was that like Arno had probably lent Sandler the money, right? And that they were like his two henchmen, mm-hmm. and I think that they were probably tired of like dealing with this entire family and yeah. were just over it because like yeah. it seemed like Arno was excited finally that like something was paying off right and I don't know if they did enough to prove that like he was excited as a brother-in-law I think he was more just excited as somebody who was going to get his money back yeah but like my vibe was just that they were like totally sick of having to deal with like these two idiots like, oh interesting yeah because yeah. to me I felt like he I felt like his uh his joy was that he was relieved not because it was his brother-in-law, but because because he actually owed them the money. And it was it's, like, if I don't get my money back, I'm fucked. I could maybe see that, but I feel like the like kidnapping at his daughter's play yeah. was like organized by Arno. Like I felt right. like Arno was the ringleader in that situation. Yeah. Not the main henchman guy. Yeah. So, yeah, so I kind of thought that Arno was still the ringleader, especially because, like, you overhear that phone call that Arno is on with the other guys where they're, like, reporting to Arno. Right. So I do still think that he was, like, at least in name the ringleader of that. Right. But I do really love that reveal when he shows up at dinner and it's like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and then I was like, oh, Arno's Armenian. Like, he's never been part of the family. Like, that part of it was also interesting to me because I think there's, like, a really subtle, like, cultural thing happening there with Mm -hmm. that observation. And also, like, you know, acknowledging Bogosian's own history Mm -hmm. um, and, like, cultural heritage. So that was cool. But I do, my final thought is that I agree with you that I feel like you never get a sense of who Julia is yeah so like her getting like Howie's name tattooed on her ass and all this other stuff I'm like I don't buy this relationship at all so that did not that did not work for me but yeah and Dustin mostly just uh, couldn't hear well enough right right. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Dustin was just like what is wrong with this (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a yeah. spot on Dustin. I, for yeah. a moment there, I thought it was Dustin speaking. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're welcome. I mean, Dustin cheats, but Dustin he does. cheats. 
he does have some astute film analysis. So, uh, so this, yeah, this whole thing, uh, I remember Eric Bogosian, and then I remembered him from Suburgatory, and then I looked up Suburgatory. No, Suburbia, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Nikki Cat, and then Nikki Cat, I was like, what happened to Nikki Cat? And Nikki Cat hasn't done anything since 2013. Just disappeared. I, I don't even know what to say to that. I know, I know. Nikki Cat, God, what happened to Nikki Cat? If you're listening, Nikki Cat, <laughs> <laughs> we'll answer that next time. Get in touch. Jiba. What happened to Nikki Cat? Uh, you know, star of uh, Boston Public. That's right. Uh, and he, uh, but like his boiler entire, room. his history is like super spotty. So like. He was in stuff through 2008, and then he was in The Sitter in 2011, and then Behind the Candelabra in 2013, and then an episode of one TV show in 2018. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah, so, like, it's not like he worked that consistently. But he was in Suburbia. (laughs) And that means... Yeah, I I don't know know what what that means. Yeah, I don't know what that means. It was like... It was a big movie in our day, in my day. Was it? Well, you know, like... Sort of. I mean, I feel like he was, like, a big dude in, like, the early 2000s, but, like, a lot of those people sort of just fell off the planet. Yeah. yeah. My hope is that he made his money and he's just like, no, I'm good. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, Boston Public was a big deal for a little while. Yeah, yeah sure. And, like, you know, he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was in Casual last year, Dustin. Well, yeah, I know, but, you know, nobody saw Casual except, like, three of us. It was well, really good. I don't remember him from Casual. Well, uh, maybe we'll talk about it in the future because it was a TV show and this is a TV podcast, fundamentally. <laughs> Let's not forget. But uh, thanks, you guys. We've been talking long enough, I think. So long. Uh, and it's late so for long. you guys. I'm, I feel bad. I'm sorry. I have to um, go to work, Dan. Jesus, Dan. I also have to go to work, but that's like, you know, waking up and going to my computer. Um <laughs> Thanks, Roxana and Dustin, for being here. Absolutely. Um, uh, Dustin, sorry that you lost despite your cheating. Uh, and uh, we'll be I back just, next week. Um, really, I, sorry to Timothy Oliphant. Like, I'm sorry. Sorry to Timothy really. Oliphant. Yeah. Uh, Dan's been shitting of, on the whole I, oh, episode. That's not true. This is These are lies. Shout out um, to Timothy if he wants to come on this podcast recorded from my apartment. I can give you my address. That's right. You can defend <laughs> yourself against Dan. Right. You can uh, slide into my DMs. Just <laughs> let me know. Right. Walton Goggins is also welcome. Just FYI. Also, Tim Gutterson. Just also FYI. And... Dickie Bennett. Just whoever. <laughs> just the entire Justified cast. Just and Nikki Cat. And yeah. Nikki no, Kat. not Nikki Cat. No. <laughs> Hard pass. But All like right. everybody else. <laughs> Alright. Thanks. Good night. Good night.